Live from Western Kentucky University, capital of the Hilltopper Nation. Whether it's in the locker room or on the field, behind the clipboard or on the court, home or away, we've got you covered. Get ready to enter the Red Zone, your destination for all things sports, right here on Revolution 91.7. And welcome everyone, Red Zone Radio on this Sunday, October 28th. I'm Tori Bowling. I'm your host tonight with alongside Matthew Hargrove and John Nolan, the producer. Uh, we got a good show for you today on this uh, Sunday night after uh, WKU loses to FIU 38-17. to um, Not a good game. Uh, but, guys, uh, first off, how was your all's homecoming weekend? It was good. Um, my, fri- my Friday night, I was really paying attention to the World Series. Yeah, not yeah. much homecoming. The 18 innings worth, didn't you? <laughs> I, I stayed up for the whole game. As I didn't I- go to sleep till around 3 o'clock. Because the game ended yeah. around two thirty yeah. central, so yeah, um, I stayed up for the entire game. Um, I fell asleep, I think, during the sixteenth and seventeenth. I woke up for the eighteenth, and I watched the Max Muncy. Well, they should have won in the thirteenth. Well, but, sh- yeah, but each, I have a good each. feeling they're going to get it done tonight. Well, that's good, John. How was your weekend? It's been great so far. Uh, besides mm-hmm. uh, WKU getting blown out by twenty-one points at home to FIU, uh, never really was much of a game, which uh, kind of expected and. Uh, Matthew, now we are now mathematic, mathematically, mathematically eliminated from there is no bowl contention, so you have to, to hush about uh, us going to a bowl. I will. Um, WKU fell behind early, and there was much of a game. Uh, they fell behind 14-3 to at the half, and uh, they ended up getting down 28-3 to at the end of the third quarter. Uh, David Shanley got the ball for WKU, 5 or 105 yards, um, with no touchdowns, no interceptions, and a, gr- a tremendous QBR of 30.7. Um, <laughs> And then Stephen Duncan came in uh, last drive and went four for eight for 39 yards and an interception. He actually played good on the drive that uh, th- they end up going to score on. Um, guys, honestly, not not much to take from this game aside from the fact that we kind of knew this was coming. And WKU is now one and seven, and we get to have this conversation all over again. A new week of what the heck's going on? Yeah. They just they just looked flat right from the start, and you hate to say that because it is homecoming weekend. They had the sick helmets. I I thought they were pretty yeah, sweet. Right. You, you thought they they're, were all right. They were all right. But yeah, they just came out flat. I was really disappointed in my boy David Shanley. I've been supporting <laughs> him, and he goes out there and throws for 105 yards. I know this FIU team. They have a great defense, and I know Western played one of the best teams in Conference USA, but they just looked flat yesterday, no energy. And I think at this point, you're essentially just building toward next season with whoever you're giving the reps to. You're not really – you have nothing to look forward to postseason at this point. So from now on, you're building toward next season. Who knows who's going to win the quarterback battle a year from now, but at this point, we're just waiting to see what happens. And I say it when Eccles – gets healthy well he was dressed on the sideline i'm not really sure what's going on when with that he gets 100 percent, he needs to play yeah I, I i was gonna bring that up he was dressed on the sideline you know you see you always see that um that backup quarterback on the sideline with the headset he's giving all the little hand signals mm-hmm. and stuff he was doing that uh, i'm not really sure what's going on with Eccles at this point um obviously i've not seen any uh i've not really looked at the injury reports that much but um you know he he was dressed on the sideline which would make me think that he would be ready to play I mean, he, they can't redshirt him because he's already a redshirt senior. Yeah. I'm not really sure what's going on with that situation, but I, I, I don't know what at this point, if he is healthy enough to play, 
why he isn't because Shanley with that tremendous QBR of 30 and Duncan does obviously is getting done. Ryan does even went over one on a fake field goal, but um, yeah, I just don't think it's looking good for uh, him at this point. I, I wouldn't bring out Kavaris Thomas because you, you want to go ahead and sh- save his red shirt for next year, but obviously the quarterback situation isn't looking promising. And here's the deal with Eccles, too. Like if, At this point now, like you said, because you don't really have a future in the postseason, why are you going to play him other than the fact that this is his last football season? You're not going to gain anything from playing Eccles when he's not going to be coming back next year. That's, that's why I would put him in. Yeah, is that, what, is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying if you're going to put him in, the only viable reason I can think of would be because this is his last year. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly correct because you said it. We're not – it's not like we're playing for a bowl game. At this point, so, you're playing for your dignity. Yeah, <laughs> so give Drew Eccles one last ride. And if not, then obviously we're going to figure out if Stephen Duncan or uh, David Shanley. Shanley and then maybe Kaveris Thomas next season. Definitely. But the way – Duncan and Shanley have been playing this mm-hmm. season. I I wouldn't be surprised to see Thomas starting for us next year. Mm-hmm. Well, Eccles was warming up before the game um, last week, and I didn't get the chance to see if he warmed up this week, and uh, no, no one mentioned it. Um, but I, I would be interested to see. Like, are they just kind of like done with it? Like, I, I would think that his senior and these other – and it's not like these other two guys have necessarily won the job. What's going on there? I think Kavaris Thomas – with a year of spring ball and summer ball and fall camp next year, I think he should be the favorite going in, mm-hmm. especially with none of these guys taking the bull by the horns and, uh, and really right. win this job. Um, but WKU continued to go by a run by committee type style with uh, Joshua Samuel uh, having an actually decent game, 14 carries for 83 yards. Um, LaFrance uh, carried six times for 34 yards. Uh, Appleberry had five carries for 23 yards. Shanley had six rushes for 17 yards. Duncan had four rushes for 11 yards. Um, DeAndre Furry, Furby had a score, and Stephen Duncan had a score. Um, 168 yards. Matthew, you love this, or you don't love this WK run team, but you you like to see our WK uh, running offense do well. Uh, what, what would you take? Definitely. When, uh, I mean, every game, except for this one, but, I mean, the run game was successful, and our passing offense mm-hmm. was not. But usually when we have a good run game, we're usually in there. We have, they give, it gives us a chance to win. We yeah. run the ball well. Louisville, we ran the ball well. We were close. Was, Louisville's a mess now. That, we, we, that wasn't even seemed like a good team at this point. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they, that, they play Clemson on Saturday, and they're going to get killed. They're going to get – I think they might get beat by 100 points. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Like, it might be 100 points. Maybe 150, like, but did you, did you somewhere all, around there. Did you all see that running back for Wake Forest? Um, Louisville pulled this. He, this kid ran for, I think, like 200 yards and three scores, and Louisville pro- pulled this guy's scholarship two yes, days before National Signing Day. <laughs> two days before Signing Day, he was going to sign with Louisville, and then he comes in to Cardinal Stadium and gives uh, opens a wow. big old can of whoop butt on them. And that that makes me happy. I, I'm glad Louisville is uh, is falling apart. I don't know what the heck's gonna happen, Bobby Petrino. People are talking about Jeff Brom being the coach there next year. I don't know how they're gonna buy him out. And but. as an Indiana fan, I would love if Jeff Brom would leave Purdue for Louisville. I do not care if Louisville be better or anything <laughs> like that, but I am tired of Purdue getting the wins that Indiana is not able to get. That Ohio State victory from two weeks ago. Well, I'm not sure if Jeff Brom, even if Jeff Brom isn't there, I'm not sure Indiana football is going to be good. It's the recruiting thing. It's the in-state recruiting that bothers me. Okay, well. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, but the run game, when it's successful, it gives us a chance to win, but everything has to be working together. Run game in the pass game and passing offense. Shanley Mm -hmm. had a bad game against FIU yesterday. 
And so we continue to have this conversation week after week about Mike Sanford's job security. I'm getting the vibe. I don't have any sources. I'm not inside anything. I'm just getting the vibe that I think they're going to give him one more year because I just think that the $1.8 million buyout is just going to be too much for the university to come up with. Um, and I think maybe his second year, um, I mean, even Joker Phillips UK got three, I think. I think uh, I think for this year they're going to give him one more to see what he can necessarily do with maybe his, his quarterback recruiter, Paris Thomas, since he, he was a quarterback coach at uh, – at Notre Dame at one point. I think they're just going to let him develop this guy and maybe give him one more year. I mean, what do you think? Tori, I can – sorry. Tori, I can no, agree with you, but I do think if he has the start next fall like he did this year, like if he just starts off one win, maybe not even two wins, you may see a fire midseason. That's what I could th- see happening next fall. Well, I saw a um, – uh, I think it was Brad Stevens of the Daily News. He had a really good article. He's, he sat down and spoke with um, uh, the athletic director – I'm sorry. I, why am I blanking on his name? The athletic. Who's our AD? Todd Stewart. I'm so go. sorry. I, n- I know that. I'm just blanking on his name. Uh, he sat down with Todd Stewart and had a good conversation about him. And Todd Stewart basically said that he's not going to cut him loose midseason. No, he, he gave us the answer that he's going to stay for this year yeah. and that he won't get fired in midseason. But that uh, he's gonna, he doesn't like to let go of people midseason because he just likes to get like let them finish what they started. And I – and so I could see a scenario where we start out again one and seven, mm-hmm. and maybe them cutting him loose. But I mean, it looks like um, just the way that Stewart runs things that he's probably going to let him. If if he starts out next year, I'd say he'll probably finish next year. Yeah, I'm I'm getting that vibe too that he'll he'll they'll let him uh, go next season for the start of next for the start of next season. Now, yeah, I agree with you, John. Mm-hmm. If we start off like this season one and five or Oh and oh and six, oh and five. Then yeah, he'll be. He should be fired mid-season. Especially if he's in the process next fall of finding somebody during the season. Now it does seem kind of shady of a thing to do, but we know athletic directors do it anyway. Yeah. But if he's in the process of doing that and they're having a bad start, don't be surprised if he does do something like but that. But it's just it's the money. Mm-hmm. It's just so much money to to fire him. You look at Tennessee. That's one of the reasons why it took so long for them to fire Butch Jones is because <laughs> he, he, it was so much money. It was around $9 million, I believe, and they're still paying him. I think we talked about last week, he took that picture with the uh, Alabama player uh, smoking a cigar, and there was a caption on Twitter that said, Tennessee's uh, paying this man $200,000 a month till around uh, 2021. And it's never and fun. And he was on the winning team to beat. Yeah, and it's never fun to be playing, paying somebody that isn't a part of your program anymore, especially like the Mets. I think it, they always have Bobby Manila Day where they're paying him like a million dollars a year. The Reds are still paying King Griffey Jr. You're still having stuff like that, and obviously Tennessee. But there, there's so many uh, examples of that, and it's not necessarily a fun situation. Uh, Stewart said in that interview with Brad Stevens on the BG Daily News, he said it's been really frustrating. Uh, I know our fans are frustrated, and I get it. If I was a fan, I'd be frustrated too. The athletic director is frustrated. The head coach is frustrated. The assistant coaches are frustrated. Our players are frustrated. Everybody's frustrated pretty much. <laughs> um, he said it's not fun for anybody. One and six. It's certainly not who we want to be as a program. And I think, and he also goes on to say he also cites the the like five losses within three points or less. Um, so he acknowledges that things, if the ball bounces here or there, it could be different. So that also gives me the vibe that he'll probably survive into next season because I think, he, again, he, he, Todd Stewart seems like a fair guy. I think he's, he's going to give, uh, 
gives for one more shot at it. But if things go like this next year, I, I don't see any way he survives a third, uh, over a third season here at WKU. How about, uh, just real quick, how about Tyron Liu getting fired from the Cavaliers today? Hmm. I mean, after an 0 6 start, I agree with it. They need to, I mean, I agree with the fire. Well, their head coach left last year, obviously, as we know, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, LeBron James, he signed, you know, he, the head coach and player of the uh, Cavs. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, he was basically coaching the team it anyway. It mattered who was the head man. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Well, like, I feel like LeBron had a good relationship with them. Um, I'm blanking on names, man. With Ty Lue? No, not Ty Lue. David uh, Blatt? No. He did not like David Blatt. Uh, no, he didn't like David Blatt. <laughs> the, Eric Spolstra. He, he had a good relationship with him in Miami, I feel like. Which, Eric Spolstra's a good coach. But, um, but yeah, I, yeah I, I don't think there's any reason for them not to fire Tyron Lue. Yeah. He's basically pointless anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, and uh, with WKU having such a success of coaches down the line with Jeff Brom and Willie Taggart both getting bigger jobs um Bobby Petrino even though he's not having that successful neither is Taggart but <laughs> anyway they're taking bigger jobs I think it really is disappointing to see Stanford going out this way and I like you know he's not done yet they're still what one one plus seven is eight so there we play 12 games so we have four games remaining you know we're not going to make and a ball. who knows you you know we have nothing to lose at this point so maybe the players will play a little loose and I think if you can come out and get two or three wins out of this last part of the season, you have a whole lot to build on going yeah, into next year. Definitely. Even if you don't have a bowl game. Definitely. Yeah, and Stewart said in this article, he says Stewart typically waits until the season's end to conduct final reviews. And so there's still four games left. There's still games that are winnable, I guess, if you want to say that. Um, you get U- UTEP should be a, a winnable game. Uh, they are currently a – They have not won, I don't think. They are 0-8, and, and we have – it's kind of sad they're 0 and 8, and we only have a 76% chance to win on ESPN's BPI or FPI or whatever. That's never fun. But uh, they get middle this week, and then that's probably not winnable. FAU on the road. I mean, FAU's 3 and 5. I see you could go down there to Florida and maybe squeak out a win. Um, but I mean, Law Tech just beat FAU this week on the road, I'm pretty sure. So I don't know. At best, they finish two and two. They'll probably finish one three. They start finish out the year, finish two and ten. Won't we'll, we'll be a good look, but I mean, at least basketball's on the on the on the horizon, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. And speaking of basketball, coming up later, we will have Brett Williams, the play-by-play man of women's basketball this year. This will be his first year under that position, and we'll have an interview with him in the second hour. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to talk about uh, some WK volleyball and soccer, and we'll get and after that, we'll get to you some WK basketball, and women's basketball. You're listening to Red Zone Radio on Revolution 91.7. Keeping you up to date on Western Kentucky sports, you're in the Red Zone right here on Revolution 91.7. Welcome back to Red Zone Radio on Revolution 91.7 on this uh, Sunday evening after WKU's lost to FIU. And uh, we'll get into some uh, WKU volleyball now, but I'm sure uh, uh, Matthew may not be paying much attention because he's getting nervous about Red Sox game coming up. Matthew, what's the score right now? They haven't started yet. Oh, about to start. <laughs> oh he knows. Uh, WKU uh, won two games uh, this weekend. They beat UTEP from Friday three to, uh, three sets to zero, and then they beat UTSA three sets to one after going 0-2. Uh, oh, well, they had a three-game losing streak up at that point, and then 0-2 the week before. Uh, Matthew, it's good to see the volleyball team uh, get back on track. Yeah, especially that win against uh – as as Caleb Sweeney would say, Utsa. <laughs> but yeah, uh, UTSA they uh, want to have one of the best records in Conference USA this year, and 
three-game losing streak. Like I said last week, I thought I would never be saying that mm-hmm. about the volleyball team this year. But they had an easy game um, earlier in the week and then just huge win beating uh, a really good Conference USA team. Yeah, and uh, four games left until that uh, uh, that Conference USA tournament in Huntington, West Virginia. Um, now's the time to be getting on a roll. Uh, they are a two-game winning streak right now. They have two home games against FIU and Florida Atlantic, and then they go to UAB and Louisiana Tech to end out the year. But, I mean, you know, this is typically a really good postseason team, and if they can make a run in the Conference USA tournament, I, that's probably going to be the only way they're going to be able to make the NCAA tournament this year because they've just dropped too many games in conference this year. But, you know, we see it all the time. Teams get hot in the conference tournament and win it and uh, go on and make noise in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, uh, yeah, you see it all the time. I mean, in every sport, you see it in um, the Major League, uh, Major League Baseball postseason. You see yeah, like it, the Brewers this year. Yeah, and you see it in, uh, you see it in uh, March Madness, NCAA tournament. Teams will start real, uh, will be hot towards the end of the season, going in the tournament, and smoke teams that so are not even, November not Madness? even high. No, yeah, no, November Madness, but <laughs> not even uh, uh, high, high ranked teams like an 11 seed, and they'll go on. <laughs> going to beat a, a three seed um but yeah it all it all matters this is a good time like i said coming off a, a good win against ut utsa um good time to get hot towards the end of the season so they can make a run in the tournament because i tell you what it's not going to be an easy uh easy way to the championship because R- rice is looking good yeah rice is looking good but you know this team's won i'm not sure at least three or four conference usa championships in a row and you know travis hudson's team's been there before they got some got some uh, ladies back that can uh that had that experience in those conference tournaments last year that i was there when they won it here at home and so i don't see any reason why they can't do it again obviously they're missing some big pieces from last year but who knows they yeah. make some noise definitely and 11 c would play a, a five seed my bad i said four seed 12, 12, so no, 11, 12 plays 5, 11 plays 6. 11 plays 6. Yeah, because there's always a 5-12 <laughs> okay. upset. 12, yeah, that's right. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, sadly, there will be no postseason for WKU soccer as they finish up their season on Friday night. It was a rainy night there at the soccer complex. Uh, WKU did finish out the season on a win, though, as they beat Marshall 2 to nothing. Uh, Amber Barnett scored a couple of goals on senior night. Uh, she's a freshman, although. Uh, WK4 seniors Sarah Gorman, uh, Nicole Roseland, H- Hannah Cady, and Megan Morris as they were honored in, on senior day. And uh, guys, it's good, uh, g- good for the WK soccer team to end the season on a win. Yeah, it's a good way to go into the off season, kind of have some momentum to build off of, I would say. Yeah, and they, as I don't have much service in here. Uh-oh. Uh, they finished the year 5-8-4, and four, and... Um, they were 4-0-4 at home, but just 1-8 on away, so maybe next year they can uh, maybe improve on winning some games on the road. But a uh, good job to uh, defend the WKU soccer complex. And, uh, yeah, so go soccer. Definitely. All right. So, all right, coming up next, we're going to go into some WKU basketball. People is coming up quick. Uh, 
We'll uh, get back to you just in a second. You're listening to Red Zone Radio on Revolution 91.7. Talking all things Tapper Sports, you're listening to Red Zone on Revolution 91.7. Welcome back to Red Zone Radio on Revolution 91.7. Here on this Sunday night, uh, bringing you some WKU sports news. Uh, here's some World Series news. Uh, Steve Pierce had a two-run homer to give the Red Sox a 2-0 lead in the top of the first inning in Game 5 of the World Series. Matthew, reaction? Yeah. <laughs> I, like I feel like next week, if the Red Sox are World Series champions, we're going to call this Red Sox Radio. Instead of oh, Red Sox yeah. Radio. We'll just I'm talk about that. the Red Sox till I'm gone, until I'm graduated. <laughs> uh, Clayton Kershaw's the struggles in the postseason continue. I always think that his struggles have been overrated. I think he's been better than people advertise, but he's not been good in this World Series so far. Definitely not. Yeah, it's – you hate – you. You really hate to see it because I love I love Kershaw. I watch, yeah, I watch watching him pitch. I think he's one of the best pitchers of all time, and he's going to be remembered for ha- being great in the regular season, but not getting it done in the postseason. Yeah, he has a fourteen five ERA in this World Series. Yeah, that is that's awful. It's not great, especially for a Dodger team that they need they need him because they're kind of running on fumes right now. Definitely, um, he should have stayed with Chicago. What? That's all I'm going to say. Clayton Kershaw. Wasn't he with the Cubs during the World Series run? What, no. what do I know? Who, who did Kershaw Kurt. play for? He's with the Dodgers. <laughs> Can you, wait, wait, Go ahead. John, are you wait. saying that Clayton Kershaw pitched for the Cubs? Who did, they, did he pitch against the Cubs? Yes. 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 Clayton Maybe Kershaw has never been on the Cubs. Who's the pitcher that they had during the World Series then? The Cubs? The Darvish. Arietta. Jake Arietta. John Arietta. Lester. Okay. He okay. was their Friday night starter. Friday night starter. I, I, I legitimately have no idea what you're talking about right now. I'm not there's, a, there's a one. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you're they not. They don't MLB, do yeah. Friday night. They do, you know, they have your number one, two, three, four, Friday five. Night. That's a college Usually term. Have a that is a definitely college term. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on uh, to WKU men's basketball. Uh, their first exhibition will be Tuesday night against Campbellsville. Um we're excited to play the Tigers from Campbellsville. This is about an hour down the road. I don't know if you want to call this Cumberland Parkway Classic. But, um, yeah, we're getting excited for that. Um, they announced this week that uh, season tickets have been sold out, which is big news for this program. Uh, obviously, every year they uh, do the little hashtag sellout diddle on their Twitter account. And they, it says they have a, a select number of premium season tickets left, and uh, any single games left available will be le- released at later dates, including, I believe, um, the game for tomorrow. The single tickets will be released at 9 a.m. in the morning. So um, if you want to come see this exhibition, uh, you know, come on out to Dillard Arena and get your tickets soon because this place is going to be packed all year, guys. Yeah, it's crazy. Conference USA teams, this is probably the only one they'll be able to consistently sell out, I feel like. I have a question. Do you think that our excitement for this WK basketball season and the, and the ability to be able to sell out on season tickets is because of either WK football being terrible or the excitement just for this basketball team and what all transpired last season? Both. I'd, I bet they still would have sold out even if we had a good football team, but I think the urgency to get to basketball season is that much higher now that football has done so bad. Yeah, everyone – I mean, even this homecoming weekend, everyone was, you know, oh, yeah, the game, we're, at, you know, we're all going to the game. But I guarantee you the no crowd one was really, last night yeah. would not have been nearly as massive 
if there wasn't a homecoming. Event. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm oh. I'm scared for the attendance for the last game of the season. UTEP. Yes. Which that could be your only chance to CWK win because <laughs> their their only win has been on the road against Ball State. So I mean, you, true. That's probably the only chance you're gonna be able to see them win. True. But um. Yeah, I was one of the last few people left in the stadium, and it was really sad. Because <laughs> I, I had to stay because one, um, one of my friend's girlfriend, she's my friend too, she cheers, and so I was staying with him. But um, it, was, it was a sad scene there in the fourth quarter. But anyway, yeah, I think this excitement, I think it's coming for, for the WK basketball team, especially with Charles Bassey. I think people realize that this is going to be one of your only chances to see this guy play. And people are taking advantage of it, which is good, because you should. Um, did you all see Darius Thompson's pass this week? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I saw that video. But for, for those Goodness of you who don't gracious. know, um, Darius Thompson's playing overseas. I, I can't uh, think of what country it is. But, um, yeah, there was a ball on the floor. He dives for it and then just flips it between his back, uh, behind Mine's his back, back, all the way across court for a layup. And that was unreal. I saw it, and then I, I thought, oh, that's cool. And then I saw WK. <laughs> and, no, oh. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, shoot, that's Darius Thompson. So that was really cool. But yeah, I'm I'm getting excited for basketball. Um, I'm getting tired of talking about I'm just talking about the hype. Like I'm ready. I'm ready for the season to start. I'm ready for game one. November six is going to be on ESPNU against Washington. When on Washington, the road. yeah, Washington, on the road. Yeah, and Washington's top twenty five, and they're top twenty five. I'm Which, telling you, I'm not sure how. How's how's Washington top twenty five? They're terrible. They were terrible last year. Here's not? The, even if it, a conference of champions. <laughs> Oh, the, oh, Conference the, of Champions. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, if WKU starts out on the road, no matter what Washington ends up being, if they can travel all the way that far west against a ranked opponent to start the season, the hype's going to get even oh, much we'll more bigger. We'll be having people standing outside the stadium. They'll have oh to get my. TVs uh, for people to watch the game outside. Well, and that's what Stansbury's been talking about. He, said, he, he keeps on saying that he wants people – banging on the door outside wanting tickets to get in. He wants his place sold out every game. And I, I think there's a good chance, especially the bigger games, like you're going to have Wisconsin St. Mary's in here. Then you're going to have Middle where we're going to absolutely destroy them because Middle's going to be terrible this year and we're going to beat them by 1,000. And then you're going to have uh, teams like Marshall. That, those Marshall games are going to be intense. Oh, John Elmore yes. coming back in here, we're going to want revenge oh, yeah. for that Conference USA championship game. Um, there's going to be some electric moments in Dildo Arena this year, and you're not going to want to miss it. And especially uh, the second half when we get Lamonte Bearden back. Yeah. It's just going to be a special season that you're not going to want to miss. Here's one thing I want to say about him wanting people to sell out the arena. Obviously, it's a good thing, but you're also going to have to continue to put a good product out there. Yeah, that's true. As we've seen with the football team, if they underperform and they're not living up to what we expect them to be, you will not see a sold-out Diddle Arena. So they do have to perform still. Well, I don't, I don't worry about that. Um, you know, they're going to have Washington. I think that's going to be a good test of work because a lot of WKU fans were upset this week that we weren't in the top 25 in the AP poll, um, which, I mean, I'm not. We're a mid-major team. People necessarily necessarily aren't going to get up for that. Uh, I mean, middle didn't get into the top 25 until later in the season last what, year. I say we have a chance, a legitimate chance, at being a top 25 team if we beat Washington – and then, and then in the Myrtle Beach Invitational, mm. if we get a shot at West Virginia and beat them and win that tournament, oh for sure, we'll You're have at a good start. We'll have a shot at mm. being in the top you, twenty-five. You'll, you'll, you'll be more, in the, you'll probably even be thinking top fifteen at that point. Really? For sure. Well, I think starting off in general, if you beat Washington, if we're already that close to being in the top twenty-five, 
you could essentially. Well, we did, well, we're not necessarily close because we receiving votes. No, we did not receive any well, votes. <laughs> so we're not necessarily. Close. We will eventually work our way up to that point. Well, I agree, and I think you're going to get another big test on December eighth against Arkansas at Arkansas. Um, oh, oh uh, what is? It? I keep forgetting names tonight. What is the Arkansas? Mike Anderson. <laughs> you know, we give him a little uh, run for his money. Um, you're going to see some uh, some hype coming this way. And I think you're right. West Virginia's going to be a good test. That's going to be on ESPN. Um, yeah, get your tickets out to Myrtle Beach. Gonna be a nice little, it's going to be in November before Thanksgiving. You know, everybody wants to take a little vacation before Thanksgiving. Head on down to Myrtle Beach. Go Heck, to Myrtle let's Beach get a, uh, have Thanksgiving in Myrtle Beach. Let's, yeah, uh, there we go. <laughs> let's get uh, the school to... Get us a plane. Get, get, get us a couple of planes. Get us a little, fly yeah, out all to, that debt. Fly out to the West Coast. Brett, where can you fly into in South Carolina? Okay. I, I, we got plenty I, I, of locations. Yeah, we got, <laughs> we got plenty of places to fly in. Um, but, yeah, I think looking at it, you know, I think West Virginia is going to be a big test or Monmouth, but it's definitely going to be West Virginia. And then Washington and then Arkansas. I mean, in St. Mary's and Wisconsin, you're going to have a lot of tests in the in – the, um, in the non-conference to start out the year. And I think that's going to be real important going into the conference. Uh, that way you can get a head start and hopefully work towards that number one seat because even if they win some of these con- uh, non-games, I think it might be a little hard for them to make the tournament unless they win the conference tournament just because the way things have been going with um, with mid-majors in the past few years. So I think that's going to be important to get off to a good start in that non-conference. But if they can play like a Gonzaga per se, because Gonzaga doesn't have a good conference either, but if they can – get to the end of the season with maybe five, six losses, I think potentially you could get an at-large bid. Yep, right. All right, coming up next, we're going to have an interview with Brett Williams. He is the play-by-play man for the WK Women's Basketball. We're going to have an interview with him uh, for the next half hour. Um, don't go away anywhere. You're listening to Red Zone Radio on Revolution 91.7. Keeping you up to date on Western Kentucky sports, you're in the Red Zone right here on Revolution 91.7. Welcome back, Red Zone Radio on Revolution 91.7 on this Sunday evening. Uh, we are now joined by Brett Williams. He is the play-by-play man for women's basketball. Brett, how are you this evening? I'm doing well. about yourself, Brett? Pretty good. Uh, so, Brett, we're just going to jump right into it. Um, uh, just tell us a little about yourself and uh, your journey here to Bowling Green. Sure. It's been a long journey, that's for sure. I'm originally from uh, Washington, D.C., from Northern Virginia specifically, and then attended the University of South Carolina, where I really got my start in broadcasting. Uh, did some work for Gamecock Volleyball and Softball in my freshman year, and then just slowly started picking up different gigs. Did some high school work, did some club sports work, a little bit of pro ball in the minor leagues. And then this past year, I spent uh, working at a, a Division II school in Charlotte, North Carolina, Queens University of Charlotte, and applied to this job, and here we are. Uh, what minor league uh, team was it down there? Uh, that was actually the Sugarland Skeeters, uh, based Sugar- in Sugarland, Texas. Sugarland Skeeters. Yes, that, indeed. <laughs> so what was their uh, major league affiliate? Uh, so they're an independent team in okay. the Atlantic okay. League of Professional Baseball. And it just was an interesting setup with them where their entire league, they're trying to expand it out to Texas, or at least they were a couple years ago when they launched. They Mm -hmm. still haven't. But the rest of the league is up in the mid-Atlantic and the Northeast. And so the broadcaster of the team wanted some help on the road, Mm -hmm. and he was seeking some folks who had some ties in some of those towns. And so I started traveling when they were up in Pennsylvania, or they were in Southern Maryland, they were in Connecticut, and I would go up and do those select series with him. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, So so minor league baseball was it – 
I guess you got to experience a little bit when they're on the road and stuff, what it's like to actually be a minor league baseball player and all their, that road travel. Uh, to a certain extent. I actually did not travel with the team yeah. myself. Uh, I never actually went down to Sugarland. I still haven't been to this day. I still haven't been to Texas, but that's going to change this year because <laughs> we're going there three times. Yeah. Play a couple different schools, but uh, nonetheless. So I ended up going with my family, and we would just go to these different places and then just ended up we would stay with the team, and, and I'd be around the team for the couple days, but I never really experienced the true road grind of minor league baseball. Yeah. So it was, it was a different experience but uh, one I enjoyed a lot because I got a chance to enjoy those cities and my broadcast partner and I would always go out and find the local spots to eat and, and enjoy that and that's certainly something I'm looking forward to this year as well given the chance that we'll be spending some nights out on the road and, and exploring a bit. Yeah and you were talking about um, you know you just been to Bowling Green a couple of weeks talk, talking about places to eat. Bowling Green you've been impressed with their food selection oh, yeah. so far. Have you been oh, yeah. to Double Dogs? Yes twice oh, actually. Oh my gosh <laughs> isn't it one of the i mean i think it's one of the best places ever <laughs> it is i mean it's got good food it honestly one of the the hidden gems about that have you ever had their uh, thai pasta salad i have not get that okay i had that the first time as a side to my burger it's amazing see i when i go to bread. restaurants i usually just i have one thing and i'll just get it for the rest okay. for the, rest of the time i go there i usually get forget what it's called it's a burger it's got egg egg and bacon it's like yeah. a breakfast burger yes 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 oh my lord it's so good mm-hmm. but yeah devil dogs is the place one of my favorite places to eat in the entire world but i want to talk to you uh let's talk about wku uh women's basketball sure. this team has lost some goats Tasha brown Ivy Brown and head coach Michelle Clark heard Greg Collins is now at the head Correct. coaching position. This team was picked fourth in the annual preseason poll voted on by the league conference USA leagues coaches. How do you see them finishing this year without Tasha and Ivy and uh, Michelle Clark heard. Well, I think the the thing that a lot of people are missing because that's certainly the narrative you heard it at Conference USA Media Day. A lot of people are talking about that, but really, without the Browns, everyone else is back. I mean, they returned their top six scorers outside of the Browns, and sure, Tasia and Ivy were both phenomenal generational players here. But they've got that continuity, and they also have it from a coaching standpoint, simply because, as you said, Greg Collins has been around for six years, and the players have talked about that a lot. How they feel like he just, you know, he moved a seat over. He's doing the things that a head coach has to do and that's certainly an adjustment. But this team knows who it is, and they're ready to go prove some people wrong this year. And are you with Greg Collins? um, Because, like I said, losing, like I said, losing that go. Michelle Clark Hurd did a phenomenal job here at Western Kentucky, now coaching at Cincinnati. How do you think the team, uh, do you think the team will respond well to Collins? Oh, absolutely. I think they've they've done that, and they've said as much. Pretty much any time that they've had a chance to talk to the media, that's what they've said. Uh, they seem to feel very comfortable with what they're trying to do offensively in particular, and, and they're working on the, on the defensive side as well. But uh, I think they all absolutely love playing for Greg. He certainly loves them. It, it, the, the synergy out there is, is pretty evident. I think you're going to see that out the gate. Hi, Brett. How are you doing, uh, just flew in from Cincinnati. No bigs. I'm all right. Um, Hope you're doing. Hope you're having a, a good night. Um, How was the game today? Enjoy it. Oh, it was awesome. They uh, they scored a game-winning field goal. Right as Dang. time expired. Yeah, didn't Ryan Fitzpatrick go in? For he Winston? did. He did. Yeah. Win. Winston had five picks. Oh my goodness. Uh, had a rough. Every time they. Every time the Bucks would get into the red zone, he would throw an interception and he'd lose everything. They were they were down at one point by 18. Wow. And, they, and then they, Fitzmagic they, they, they crawled in, back right? in and then uh, tied it up with. Uh, 
tied it up with like 30 seconds to go, which sounded eerily familiar to a certain other game that, that we've seen here. Mm -hmm. um, but this time they came down and they kicked a field goal and the field goal actually went in. So which was crazy because the wind was the wind was pretty strong up up in up in Cincinnati today. So um, talking about what what Matthew had touched on, um, one thing that doesn't get talked about a whole lot is the fact that, you know, the youth on this team, there is a ton of it. Uh, there's not a whole lot of seniors uh, on this squad, I don't think. Um, and looking at it that way, Collins must be really excited because that's a whole lot of longevity and a whole lot of teaching that he can do um, with that team. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's certainly a lot of players that uh, have time to contribute. And, and even the couple of seniors, I mean, you look at Jaleesa Allen, who's a grad transfer from UVA, so she brings that Power 5 experience in here. You've got Sydney Bopp, who's been a phenomenal three-point shooter in a number of ways, so she's another player that I think a lot of people are sleeping on this year. Um, and then you just you go down the roster. I mean, Whitney Creech stepped up big time last year. Yeah. She's only a junior. You've got Alexis Brewer coming in after sitting out last year as a redshirt junior who was best three-point shooter in the Big 12 her last year at West Virginia. So a lot of talent still on this team. Well, and we've seen a lot from Sydney Bopp already in her career that she's since she's Absolutely. been here hitting some really big shots uh when she's needed to and coming off the bench to be a great sixth man so i'm really looking forward to seeing uh what she can do on on the court um one thing that's nice is collins worked underneath michelle clark heard and having a coach that's already been in the system you're not having to re-adopt the wheel i mean you can adjust it a little bit to form right. your style but for the most part everything's set up for uh, set up for her in your experience uh, what have you seen as far as like that's concerned with seeing like coaches that have worked for other coaches and then taking over there's not that big of a no I don't think so and I think you see you know in college football we talk a lot about the coaching trees right and they always are keen on showing that and, and you see how the trees usually lead to success of, of the folks that learn under their under their mentors and I think Greg Collins obviously he brings a, a solid track record in um, from what he's done, and, and Michelle obviously laid a, a phenomenal foundation here. But Greg, as I was just saying before you got on, that the team is so locked into what he's doing, and certainly he does coach with a bit of a, a more laid-back style than, than Michelle Clark Heard did. But they're they're responding to him very well. They're excited to play for him, excited to go out there. Uh, it's I think a lot of people are just sleeping on the program overall, and I think we saw that in the uh, in the preseason polls. So this team's ready to go. Uh it's really interesting seeing the uh, the kind of Egyptian connection yes. that this team has. Yes. Um, I mean, Raneem El Jadawi, who stepped up really big uh, last year and kind of fell under Tasia. Tasia kind of mentored her quite a bit last year and get, got her into a role. We really didn't know what to expect from her last year when we saw her playing. But it's really interesting seeing uh, people fr that have come sure. into the program and really stepped up that may not have uh, played in America or, you know, that right. much. Right, and, and actually, to your point, I was just uh, talking with the Sports Information Director, Kirk McFadden, about how, how last year, as some of the bigger games were on in the Conference USA tournament, even in the NCAA tournament, for, for El Jadawi, it was just another game. Like she didn't necessarily always understand the 
the significance of that game coming from a different country and so she was able to just play her style and hopefully that that's something that she's able to continue to build on and then to your point about the Egyptian connection now with uh, Meryl Abdelgawad yeah, yeah, yeah. in the program and and they're hoping for the same thing for her and she is she's talented and she is uh, experienced over there in Egypt she was actually playing with the uh, senior national team at the uh, Afro Basket Championships last year and was the youngest player in the entire tournament playing people five six years older than her and she had averaged 11 points a game so she certainly brings uh, some edge and everybody's buzzing about her uh, seeing how they're going to get her in the offense that's that's the big question right now is a lot of the how is the puzzle piece is going to come together this year but uh, th- but they're excited and then really quick um the veteran experience that's on this team i mean they went to the they went to the championship uh, last season uh they've been going to the championship now for for a few seasons uh, obviously some of those girls are gone but they still have that that experience and i mean obviously that's pretty big going into the playoffs and going into a, a season where you're predicted to finish in fourth um you still have you might not have everyone gunning for you anymore like you did before yeah to an extent and i i do think that they're still just based on the success that yeah. west that wku has had in conference usa that people are still thinking about them and still wanting to come after them probably inside those locker rooms that we're not hearing i, I would imagine uh, but nonetheless i mean they certainly have established a winning tradition as a program here at diddle 53 and 4 in the last four seasons since joining the conference i mean it <sighs> That tells you what yeah. you need to know about, about home court here in Bowling Green. So, uh, yeah, the foundation is absolutely there, and, and now they've got, a, they've got a tough task right out the gate to play some of these Power 5 schools and, and show what they're capable of early on. Who do, you, who do you, real quick, sorry, who do you think is the key player for this team's success? Boy, that's a tough question. I think this year it, we don't really know yet. I mean, honestly, Greg Collins has said on a number of occasions, he said at Conference USA Media Day, he said it here at WKU Media Day, that the strength of our team is our team. He said it's really not clear right now who is going to step up and replace Tasia or Ivy Brown every night. He said any given night, it could be anybody. And that's what they're excited about because they know that they've got that talent. They just don't know it's going to be a committee type thing. So I, I think we're going to have to wait and see a few games before we can really start pinpointing uh, we'll, we'll see if they're all able to play together as well as he hopes. Yeah, and like, and like you said earlier, um, you know, they, they have a tough non-conference schedule, really tough. Oh, um, yeah. They play Louisville here in Bowling Green and then uh, go to Oklahoma, Iowa, and then uh, the defending national champion, Notre Dame, fighting Irish. Yes, indeed. Um, they put up a good fight against Notre Dame last year here at home. Um, so how do you think that that non-conference schedule will play into their success this season? Well, I think it's going to go one of two ways. And obviously, the, the way, again, the way they've played at Diddle, Notre Dame was one of those four teams that knocked them off, as you said, last year, though, again, a very good game. And I'm expecting, for example, the Louisville game. I think it's going to be an awesome atmosphere in there because obviously the, the regional rivalry, I think that's going to be. And Louisville's been good in the past couple of years. Right, absolutely. Final four team last year. So I think they're certainly going to be able to contend with these teams. We'll see what the outcome is. But I think the, the concern for me, it's when you have a tough non-conference slate like that, it can only go one of two ways. Either it's going to really prepare you well, and when you come to conference, it's like swinging a bat weight and you're just ready to go because the teams just aren't as difficult as what you've seen, or you're going to be so beat up and exhausted from it that then you start having trouble in conference play. So that's the big question is can they stay healthy through all those, those big, big games that they have, and um, will they end up you know, contending enough that they can build more confidence rather than exhaustion by the time January rolls around? Yeah, and um, we saw WKU um, kind of roll through that conference tournament pretty easily last year. Yes. Um, I was there in Frisco, Texas, and it was just an incredible performance. Um, 
it was really cool to see Ivy and Tasia uh, win it. Do you think that they'll have that kind of same motivation? And you know, because I think it'll be a different kind of motivation this year because you know, last year you had the seniors. This year you have kind of the di- I wouldn't say disrespect, but kind of the uh, underestimating maybe uh, pick fourth in the conference. What do you see about that? Yeah, a little bit. The the identity slightly different. I, I I understand what you're saying there. I think certainly when you've again when you've won the conference USA tournament three out of four years since you've been in a league, you've gotten that taste of March Madness. I mean, you want to keep dancing, and so I think that's that's the big motivation that's still consistent, and everybody's going to keep playing to get to that point. Now, whether or not they win the regular season title. Time will tell, but of course that's not what gets you to the dance. Yeah. So we'll see how Frisco goes, but uh, if anyone's capable of performing at a high level for three straight days, it's the Lady Toppers. So then going into this year, what would you see as a – what would be a mark if to be disappointed and what would be a mark that would be like – like if they make the conference – if they don't make the conference championship, is the season still a success, I guess is, is – is what I'm saying. I think so. I think, you know, and that's a, that's a question that everyone will give you a different answer to. Right. You know, obviously yeah. coaches and players and whatnot. I think realistically for this team, uh, they're not, obviously they're not the favorite to win right. the conference. And if they don't get there and, and let's say UAB or a Rice does and both of those teams, you know, they're, they're one and two in the poll and they're, they're expected to be very, very good this year. Middles up there as well. If those teams get there, you know, that's, that's how it goes. I think if this team can certainly get a winning record in conference, finish uh, top, probably top six or so, and, and hopefully pick up a couple wins uh, in the non-conference against some of those big hitters, I mean, we certainly expect them to pick up some wins against, you know, some of the, the other teams in non-conference that, that aren't as, as uh, heavy hitting. But nonetheless, yeah, I, I don't think there's a, a very clear benchmark of this has to happen or this season's a failure. And then I know you're 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 just coming in uh, this year, but uh, one thing that Western has tried to do in the last couple of years is raise the amount of non-con games that have value, so that right, when they absolutely. reach the end of the, the the season, they get looked at favorably um, by uh, the NCAA boards that make the decisions for the tournament. Looking at Western Kentucky's non-conference schedule, um, how do you feel? I mean, how do you feel about? The, the games that they have. Uh, I'm excited to watch some amazing basketball, yeah. I can tell you that. I mean, uh, the Louisville game on opening night, like I was just saying, I think it's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere in here, and I expect the Lady Toppers to respond well to it. Uh, again, outcome-wise, it's hard to say against a team like that, but yeah. I'm expecting it to be a good game. And, and Oklahoma should be, too, going on a road, getting a tough test to Norman. Uh, Iowa, of course, last year almost beat them up there in Iowa City, 104 to 97, I believe, is the final in overtime there. And now they get to experience it down in Diddle. Now, they're expected to be even better in the Big Ten this year. But nonetheless, you come down here, 53-4 yep. and four record. I'll say it once I say it again. You'll hear me say it a bunch on the air, too. That's the kind of thing that can happen. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have more with Brett Williams, including – the lightning round, where we ask him 10 questions. Oh, boy. And he gets to give the first answer that comes to his head. You're listening to Revolution 91.7 Red Zone Radio. Talking all things Tapper Sports, you're listening to Red Zone on Revolution 91.7. Welcome back to Revolution 91.7 Red Zone Radio with our special guest for the evening, Brett Williams. Women's uh, basketball play-by-play announcer is really good to have you here. We appreciate you uh, dropping by and spending some time with us today. I appreciate you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun this year. I, I thank you for uh, helping introduce me to the Bowling Green family. Yeah, we are absolutely looking forward to it. it you say, you know, you've, you've come to Bowling Green. Uh, 
how have you liked it so far? I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's been good. It's a nice little town. Uh, there's a lot of things to do. Maybe not as much right in town other than all the food. We've talked about all the food. Yeah, right. And yeah, uh, I'm excited absolutely. for that. We're going to actually uh, be at the National Corvette Museum tomorrow night for the tip-off dinner. Yeah. So that that's going to be exciting. But uh, obviously, you can get to a lot of places, a lot of cool things to do in the region. Um, and, and just uh, really great people here. Honestly, I've been able to meet a couple people in the community, and, and certainly everybody at WKU has done an amazing job to make me feel at home. Yeah, the nice thing about Bowling Green is it's right in the middle of everything. Yeah. I mean, St. Louis, Louisville, Cincinnati, uh, Nashville. Right there, yeah. um, and even Atlanta can be, I mean, a five-hour drive, but, I mean, that's still relatively decent. So it's kind of – I like it because it's kind of right in the middle of everything that, everything that I really love. It's a good um, little spot. All right, we're going to kick this off. Uh, so basically, we've done this with interviews in the past, and uh, it's basically just a lightning round where we ask you questions. And uh, so when we did when we interviewed Coach Sanford for this, um, he like as a head coach, he gave us like three minute answers for every <laughs> single question. Well, we only have eight minutes left of the show, so you can't give three minute okay. answers for everything. <laughs> All right, here we go. First question, really quick. Favorite food? Italian, probably. But I can go a lot of different ways. I'm a food guy. Yeah. So like Olive Garden? Or, uh, or I mean, Olive like Garden is good, but yeah, homemade Italian or, pizza. or <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yeah, pizza. But no, I, just the, 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 the good, hardcore Italian place, a little local joint. Sometimes you can find some gems. Do you have a game time tradition, like, like prep, prep for the game? <sighs> I mean, I have my certain ways that I, that I prep. Uh, I don't really know if I have a particular... Uh, game tradition. I will say, I tend to drink Arnold Palmer's after the game. I, I just, I, I don't know. It's something about the tea and the lemon just kind of soothes my throat. I don't know. I know. And a lot of people drink hot tea before, yeah, and I'll yeah. do some of that. I don't know if, if that actually helps, but I tend to do that. All right. In all of sports, what's your favorite rivalry? Redskins Cowboys. All Born right. and raised, big time Redskins fan. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't beat it. And obviously, last week, uh, picking up a big win when Dallas missed that last minute field goal, that was uh, an amazing feeling. It's such a weird rivalry, too. Like, if you look at it, like yeah. Washington versus Texas, it just it seems weird. But the two teams, absolutely. Yep. You have to go back into the history of the it, teams and why it became a yeah. rivalry back in the 50s and 60s. But yeah. All right. If you had to give a favorite basketball team that wasn't Western Kentucky, what would it be? Favorite basketball team. Uh, I mean, I guess uh, for pro, Washington Wizards, Charlotte Hornets, obviously uh, coming from South Carolina, I, I was my senior year when they went to the Final Four on the yep. men's side and won the title on the women's side, so that was an awesome experience. Uh, but I, I'm not a huge uh, NBA guy generally, and then obviously college now, it's the Lady Toppers. Yeah. We, we talked about minor league baseball earlier. Mm -hmm. All right. What would your walk-up music be coming <laughs> up to the plate? Glad you asked. Just Like Fire by Pink. Because, really? Very yes. nice. Because really? actually, my intramural softball team, I kid you not, okay. senior year of college, we all had walk-up songs, and that was mine. Intramural got walk-up songs? That's fantastic. Wow. Yep. That was one of my oh, good friends. Man. He said, you know what, we're going to do it. So he brought his portable boom box out there, put a playlist together, bam. All right. Favorite TV show and movie? Survivor. No questions asked. Are you watching the, the the newest? I haven't caught last week's episode. I've got that tape, so I probably. You know they had tonight. a uh, they had a survivor tryout here, here in Bowling, Bowling Green. Green. Did they yeah, really? They did. Yeah, just was, a couple uh, uh, last month. Last month. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. Yeah, I came it, a little bit late. They had <laughs> well, they had like two thousand people show up for it. It wow. was pretty insane. 
like people okay. from all over that that that, that came to well, it. Maybe so. I should pitch that on the air sometime. Just say, hey, if anyone's listening, <laughs> Jeff Probst, you know, I'm here. <laughs> uh, that movie, the I'm not a huge movie guy. Yeah. I actually go with The Parent Trap, Lindsay Lohan's. I, I, something about that I've always liked. And what was the last movie. movie that you saw? Oh Lord, I don't even remember to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't even know. All right, if you weren't doing play-by-play, what would you be doing? I'd be a food critic. Nice. Adam Richmond's my man, and uh, he, he had a way, not just with all of the craziness that he did on Man vs. Food, but just the way that he would describe all the food that he was eating and really immerse himself in the, the uh, culinary culture of these different towns. He's what really got me into that, so yeah. All right. A genie has popped up in front of you and said, I will give you any job you want in the United States or in the world if you want. What job are you taking? Dang, that's a, that's a tough question. I mean, for me, I've always just wanted to be in this business somehow, and I'm blessed with a great opportunity, the best one I've ever had right here. Where that takes me long term, I really have no idea. As long as I can be gainfully employed doing play-by-play, <laughs> then I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I absolutely love doing it, too. It's a whole lot of fun. Yes, sir. All right. What, what, uh, I know we talked about it already. But what game are you looking forward to this season for the girls, for girls' bat- basketball? Well, Vancouver is going to be a very interesting trip. Uh, obviously, playing Oregon State there in the opener, a rematch of last year's game that, that ousted the Lady Toppers in the tournament. I'm sure they're going to come up with a chip on their shoulder and, and have to do it in basically enemy territory up there in the Northwest. Uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing the teams out there. Um, and then for me personally, I'm excited to go to Florida and Texas in January and go to those games because I'm a warm weather guy. So <laughs> that'll be a welcome change just to get down there. And we'll be good to go. Yeah, and I'm sure you're excited to go to Frisco because I, I went to that conference tournament last year. It's, it's really cool because, uh, I mean, you probably won't love it as much since you probably don't like the Cowboys. Yes, but sir. It's, it's, there, <laughs> it, it's there at the Ford, uh, Ford Center. And then uh, me, and, me and another guy, we went toward uh, AT&T Stadium. It's a really cool trip. That's cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, I get a chance to do that. I'll certainly take advantage of it. Not a, not a huge fan of uh, Jerry's, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> All right, and final question that we have for you, unless uh, some of these other guys have some, is uh, what is your favorite mascot? Oh Lord, well I mean it, it's it's there's really there's there's three. Um, Big Red of course is one. Cocky of course is another. And uh, and the duck out at Oregon, I've always loved what he does. <laughs> yeah, with the push See, I got some Important uh, questions. I'm just saying. You're the man. You're the man, Brett. You're the man. I appreciate it. Likewise. Definitely. All right, we have uh, one, one more question, yeah, yeah. Um, and this will like, I mean, you're already the man, but this will put you like <laughs> in the Hall of Fame, and you all be quiet. Here we go. Are you a supporter <laughs> of Carmelo Anthony? Oh, oh Lord, I wasn't. Ex- I thought you were going to say something about the Red Sox. You know, um, we were before. Just a yes or no question. It- <laughs> For all intents and purposes, no. Yes. <laughs> See. All right. It was nice talking to you, Brett. <laughs> Likewise. Thank you. Oh man. I'm a I'm a huge Carmelo Anthony fan, and I'm trying to persuade these guys that he is not overrated. Well, that will be a conversation for another time. Yes, we are out of time. Definitely. We'd like to we'd like to thank you once again for uh, coming by and talking to us for a little bit. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. Uh, and we wish the Lady Toppers the best of luck this season. Thank you guys so much. You have a good rest of your season as well. We'll be talking for sure. And, Absolutely. Uh, go Tops. Go Tops. Definitely.